Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. You can have the fear, but don't let the fear stop you from fasting. Don't let the fear stop you from praying. Don't let let the fear stop you from worshiping God. Don't let the fear stop you from reaching out for one another. Don't let the fear stop you and hold off your relationship. Matter of fact, when you are scared, that is the best time to try to get closer to God. That is the best time. Turn with me, if you will, to the gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. That is the gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter, starting with the first verse, and we'll be reading to the 10th verse. It asks all that are physically able to please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, For this Resurrection Sunday, I want to talk about the earth the stone and the tomb, the earth, the stone and the tomb. There's a director of a British museum. Uh, His name is Neil McGregor, and he's been the director of the British Museum since 2002. And in the British Museum, there are tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands and thousands of objects there, and, and perhaps thousands more that are not on display, but in the vaults and in the basement of the museum, in nooks and crannies on shelves and places where they've been put uh, and left and not touched again. Uh, McGregor and his friends decided uh, that perhaps a history of the world could be told through the artifacts in their museum. 
And so he writes a book. And it's called A History of the World in 100 Objects. Now, mind you, this, this, this uh, museum is full of thousands of artifacts. And he wants to tell about the history of the entire world through 100 artifacts. So I would assume that in this book, they are trying to focus on what they thought were the most important items. Uh, they want to focus on what's important. Uh, I thought about that as this uh, text was given for the lectionary this Easter Sunday, because uh, I think about the two Marys, Mary and uh, the gospel according to Matthew calls the other Mary. Stuck in the house, their normal routine has been altered. Uh, it's been altered by an event that has changed the world. Uh, it's not only altered, but they have to go to a tomb. And they have to go to this tomb, but they can't go right away because it's the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. You're really not even supposed to leave the house. You're supposed to stay in. Stop me if this sounds familiar. Uh, but their, their routine has been changed. And I, I'm going to stop right here, and I just want to take a, take a moment to address a couple pet peeves with, with the text. I'll be doing that a little bit uh, during the sermon, but the first two I want to get off my chest while I'm thinking about it. Uh, first and foremost, Mary Magdalene, whose name is mentioned in the gospel according to Matthew, uh, Mary Magdalene is not a prostitute. Mary Magdalene, you won't find anywhere in scripture where this woman is listed as a prostitute. That's a rumor that got started uh, by somebody and it stuck. Nowhere in the scripture does it say she's a prostitute. But if women are going to be put in this way, uh, there's always somebody that's got to uh, tear them down. Uh, furthermore, we're looking at the Easter service, uh, and we're looking at the Easter sermon, and we're looking at the Easter story, and it says that uh, after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, began at dawn, uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Uh, what do the two Marys have in common besides both their names being Mary? They're women. Uh, the first Easter sermon was preached by women. Is the check, check, one, two, two, testing. Hey, hey, check, check. No, for, if we're going to deny this, if we're going to deny women a spot in the pulpit, we'd have to deny the gospel. What's the gospel? That Jesus hung, bled, and died for our sins and rose again on the third day with all power in his hand? The first person there was a woman. We talk about Jesus being born of a virgin. You got to have a woman there for that. We're talking about him suffering under Pontius Pilate and crucified, dead, and buried. The disciples left. It was women there. So we don't have the gospel, we don't have people to tell the gospel story without women being there. And if women were there at the original gospel story while it was being told, they ought to be able to tell the gospel story from the pulpit. That's just my personal pet peeve. And so every time I see Mary Magdalene in a text that I'm preaching, I'm going to bring it up. Every time I see a resurrection text and I see that the women are there first and they go tell the disciples, I'm going to bring it up. Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute, and the women preached their first, the first Easter sermon. And they go to this tomb, but there are some problems, not only with 
the tune, but there are some problems with the text. I have some issues with the text. Uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but they don't match. Yeah, I, I said uh, they don't match, and it starts with the first verse of chapter 28, it says that after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Uh, I am know I'm being a little anal about this, but uh, Mark 16 says that they came to anoint the body. But Matthew 28 says that they came to see the tomb. Uh, Matthew is a little more favorable to the church. When you look at the other Gospels, uh, Jesus gets a little more angry in uh, Mark especially and talks about these people being a brood of vipers and, and the disciples don't get everything right on the first try and Matthew and Math, uh, I mean, uh, Mark and in Mark chapter 16, it ends actually at 16 verse 8 because it talks about that they were scared and didn't tell nobody. But here they, they're boldly going to the tomb. They're boldly going to see the tomb, and, and, and the stone rolls away. It, 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 in Matthew, this person is called an angel, but in the gospel, according to Mark, it just says it's a young man. But there is something common in the texts, even though they're telling the stories, and the stories don't all match. There is something common in the text, and that is fear. Uh, Matthew, they keep getting told, do not be afraid. Over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And in Mark, the text actually says that they were overcome with fear. Uh, we as a people spend way too much time not paying attention to our emotions. We want to act like we don't care about stuff. We never want to admit that we are actually afraid of things. Uh, we don't want to admit that we have our emotions. We say we don't care. We come up with flashy statements that aren't necessarily correct. I am uh, too, when you ask somebody how they're doing, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Or I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, now, I don't want to hate on somebody trying to make some money to sell some shirts, but it's actually okay sometimes to be stressed. Sometimes your body actually needs to be stressed. We get into problems with one another because we bottle up our emotions and act like we don't care until it comes to a point and it blows over. We need to be in touch with our feelings. When somebody is acting a way that we don't like them to act, what do we tell them to do? Get out of their feelings. We need to embrace our emotions. They have plenty of reason to be scared. They go to an empty tomb. There is an earthquake as they are going somewhere. There are guards who get so scared at what they saw that they act like they are dead. There's an empty tomb, a tomb that had a Roman seal on it. That's a reason to be scared. Why is it a reason to be scared? I'm glad you asked, Pastor. Because if that Roman seal was broken, the rule was whoever broke the seal was broken themselves. Those guards were sitting in front of that tomb because they had one job to do. If that stone rolled away, their heads were going to roll. Those are reasons to be scared. 
It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared when you sit in a situation and you don't know where your next check is coming from. If your entire industry has been threatened or gone away, it's okay to admit that you're scared sometimes. It's okay to admit that you're scared when you are cooped up and can't go anywhere. It's okay to admit that you're scared when we are in a situation where you can't even touch somebody anymore. When one person can infect five and the other five infect 25 and, and sooner or later because you can't uh, stay in the house, over 250 people can be infected by something. It's okay to admit you're scared. Being scared of something is a natural human emotion. It's not about being scared, it's about what you do. They were told over and over again not to be afraid. And in Matthew, it says that they were overcome with their fear and kept silent. But obviously, they told somebody. Because if they had not told somebody, we would not be here today 2,000 years removed from it. It's not about being scared. It's okay to be scared, but don't let the fear stop your action. Uh, When I was attending high school in Indianapolis, Indiana, I had to take a a class to graduate, swimming. Nobody got a high school diploma from Indianapolis North Central High School without passing a swimming class. Now, my grandmother had taken me, she took me to uh, the YWCA uh, during the summer, and I'd had some swim classes, and I'd done some things, but I really could not swim. What I knew how to do was hang on the edge of the pool and slide down from the three foot in to the 12 foot in. And I could do something underwater, but nine times out of 10, when I was in the deep end, the lifeguard would have to say, hey, hey boy, go, go back to the other side. Go back under that rope. This is not for you. So I really could not swim. And I had to take this class. Everybody had to take nine weeks of swimming. And I wasn't going to get out of this class until uh, I could dive off the diving board into 12 feet of water. I could go down to the bottom. Uh, we had a, my, my school was a little um, different. Uh, they had some resources. They had uh, uh, 4,000 4, 4, members at the school. And so they had a, little, they had a swimming pool uh, almost Olympic-sized swimming pool, and so you'd have to go down to the bottom, pick up a brick and bring it up, and you had to be able to tread water for an amount of time. You weren't passing this class if you didn't do at least those three things by the time the nine weeks was up. I was scared. I was not trying to drown. It was cute girls in that class with me. I had a reputation to uphold. I was scared. But I made a decision. I could be scared and flunk the class, or I could be scared and jump in the deep end and learn how to do all these things. And so I decided that because even though I was scared, I was not going to let my fear keep me from acting. I was not going to let my fear freeze me. So I was scared, but I learned how to tread water. I was scared, but I went down to 12 feet and deeper to pick up that brick and get it back. I was scared, but I jumped off the diving board into the the deep end. And by the time I was ready to graduate from that nine-week class, I was still scared, 
but I'm turning front flips off of the diving board and going in. Treading water and the swim teacher is coming to my track meets to talk to me about it, how he compares the 50 meter freestyle to the 100 meter dash. But I did not allow the fear to stop me. You can have the fear, but don't let the fear stop you from fasting. Don't let the fear stop you from praying. Don't let let the fear stop you from worshiping God. Don't let the fear stop you from reaching out for one another. Don't let the fear stop you and hold off your relationship. Matter of fact, when you are scared, that is the best time to try to get closer to God. That is the best time to try to read the word. That is the best time to try to uh, work your prayer life out. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing until we reach some trouble. Sometimes we wouldn't have the prayer life we had if we didn't have to struggle. Sometimes we wouldn't have that prayer life if it wasn't a spouse that we had to pray over or it wasn't a job that we had to pray over, if it wasn't a business that we had to keep bringing before the Lord over and over again. It says much prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't allow the fear to stop you from doing something. And so the, 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 the two Marys did not allow the fear to freeze them. Yes, they were scared. And yes, at first, they may have dropped the ball. If you read in Mark and it says that they were scared and told no one. But they did not allow the fear to stop them from moving. And it says that he is not here. He is risen. And it says, come see the place where the Lord lay. And he tells them, uh, the angel tells them, Uh, That he is going before you into Galilee. Behold, you there you will see him. Rather, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Jesus told them that he was going to meet them. He told them that he was going to die and then he was going to be resurrected on the third day. And so they did not allow the emotion to stop the action and he they did it. They went where they needed to go. Evil was present. And evil thought it had won by crucifying our Lord and Savior like a common criminal. But evil did not have the last say. And it says that as they went to tell his disciples, again, the women were first and they were telling the disciples. uh, It says that that behold, Jesus met them. Uh, New King James kind of misses this translation, but it's a suddenly that Jesus found them. Uh, They went looking to do what Jesus had said, and suddenly Jesus found them. Sometimes you can go looking for Jesus and Jesus will find you suddenly. It may seem like a long time while you're going through it. It may seem like a long time while you're going through these problems. But suddenly God is going to show up in your situation and turn it around. And when he shows up and turns it around, all that waiting, all that crying, all that worrying that you were going to do is going to seem like a drop in the bucket because that suddenly is coming. Sunday is coming suddenly the two Marys were searching and doing what Jesus had told them to do by way of the angel and they got found by Jesus suddenly and I like this text 
I like this text because it says, uh, Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Again, they got told by the angel not to be afraid. And then they got told by Jesus not to be afraid. Uh, and it says, go tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Says, do not be afraid. Red letters. That means Jesus is talking. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. They say that the third time's a charm. Says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Go tell my brethren. Go tell my brothers. Go tell my family. They've been called disciples all this time. Students. Disciple means student. Discipline, uh, doctor, to teach. Disciple means students. But Jesus, after he is rose from the dead, after he has been crucified like a common criminal, after the 12, well, the 11 that have been rolling with him, plus the one that betrayed him. After they have left, when Peter said three times before the rooster crowed that he didn't know him and cussed the people out that was asking about it. After all the other disciples went away. He said, go tell my brothers. Meet me at Galilee. They've gone from just walking with him to being family. Even though they messed up, family. Even though they weren't faithful, family. Even though they lied and said they didn't know him, family. Not only that, he said, go meet me at Galilee. That's where it all started. So now they've gone through this life and they've messed up time and time again. And they left him at the point of death. But he rose from the grave. Death could not hold him. The grave was not strong enough to keep him. He gets up and says, I know you messed up. I know you weren't worthy. I know you didn't do everything you were supposed to do. I know when it got tough, you ran. I know that you left me. But I forgive you. And not only do I forgive you, we're going to go back to where it all started and get a fresh start. Brothers, meet me at Galilee. And so even though the gospel according to John tells one story about the resurrection, they so happy to get there that they was racing and foot racing to get to the tomb to hold it. And Matthew tells another story, do not be afraid. And Mark says that they are scared and didn't tell nobody. They didn't all get it together. It doesn't matter that they don't match word for word because they are telling it from everybody's own perspective. You get five people to tell a story and they're standing in five different areas, filling five different things. You're going to get what? Five different stories. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means that's the way they experienced it. People don't remember what was said, 
most of the time. They remember how they feel. And so the Gospels aren't supposed to match. They are being told from each person's point of view. But they got the main things that needed to be gotten. The earth shook, the stone rolled away, and the tomb was empty. It didn't matter what side of the story was told, whether they were failures or not. The earth shook, the stone rolled away, and the tomb was empty. Whether or not they were faithful or not, whether or not we've been faithful or not, the earth shook, the stone rolled away, and the tomb was empty. My son doesn't talk a lot about Christian things. He'd rather spend all his time talking about uh, Paw Patrol and the Loud House and, and uh, uh, Captain Underpants. But I know he knows one thing if he don't know nothing else. The earth shook, the stone rolled away, and the tomb was empty. He still wants to carry a bunch of rocks. We went to a, a, a safari a couple weeks ago in, in, in San Antonio, and we went to the gift shop. All he wanted was rocks. It's all kind of toys in there. Lions and tigers and snakes and, and magic wands and, and booklets. Nope, he wanted the rocks because he likes to keep the rock on him. And he keeps the rock on him, and he still comes into my bedroom and lays next to me and shakes me and says, the earth shook, the stone rolled away, and the tomb was empty. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook. 